You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Okay, good evening. Good to see you all in church. Hey, who's ready for the Word of God tonight? That's the right response. (laughs) Come on, we're going to pray. Lord God, we thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation from the front to the back, the left to the right. Not just another sermon, but a moment where you're lifting a veil off our hearts. Thank you for revelation in this place that turns us around, that brings transformation power. Spirit of God, right now, thank you for breaking stuff off of our lives so we can be everything that Jesus died for us to be. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, everyone. So good to see you. My name's David. I'm part of the team at Kingdom City. And I want to talk to you uh, tonight. The title of my message is Don't Get Lost on the Way to the Pool. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't do it. Don't get lost on the way to the pool. And hopefully by the end of this message, it'll make a lot more sense than what it does right now. Don't get lost on the way to the pool. We're going to go to an unusual miracle. This is probably the only place that we're aware of that Jesus healed someone using this particular method. This is called the spit method. All right. Uh, So he, uh, a blind man came to him and it says in John chapter 9, then he spit on the ground. He made mud with the saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go and wash yourself in the pool, Salom. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Now, the the Bible says that the miracles Jesus did were actually signs and wonders. And what that's trying to tell us is there's something more going on here than just the immediate physical miracle. There's a message in the miracle. And it's the message in the miracle uh, that I want you to see tonight. That's where we're going to go. Yes, it's wonderful. This guy who was born blind, he is healed. That's wonderful and great. But there's a message in the miracle that I want to unpack. And before we get to that, it's just a few interesting little side notes here that um, there's three significant recorded occasions where Jesus healed blind people and each time he healed them differently. So there was no one method that he used. And why is that? Well, because Jesus was meeting each person at their own personal level of faith. And he's still doing that in this room right now. He's going to meet you where you're at. He's not going to expect you to know some special method that you need to figure out, some special little, ooh, and because you didn't know that method, you're missed out. No, Jesus met everyone where they were at again and again and again. That's why he would say to them, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. And so there is a diversity of methods that Jesus used because simply he was working with the person. He was just working with them. So one guy was born blind and he's thinking, man, I was born blind. 
this is not going to be easy. He's going to have to pray for me at least twice. So Jesus obliged and prayed for him twice. Another man, blind Bartimaeus, calls out. They call him over and Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. And immediately the Bible says he began to see. And then we have this guy who we read about here. Jesus mixes his spittle with some dirt and smears it on his eyes. Now that sounds really gross, but in ancient times, it was a superstitious belief that the spittle of a holy man had healing properties. And so Jesus was working with him. Okay, you got that belief that if I spit on you, this will help you? Okay, I'll meet you there. That's how far Jesus is prepared to go. But as we know, this particular miracle had a, a, a twist to it. Because he didn't just use spittle, he actually made mud. And that's where the message is that we're uh, going to look at tonight. But what am I trying to say through taking you through that is, so the methods Jesus used to minister people doesn't actually reveal the will of God. It reveals more where the faith of the individual's at. And so the next time somebody's trying to enforce upon you that you have to experience God the way that they have, you need to realise that's a requirement that they are putting on you, you know, rather than Jesus Christ. He's going to meet you where you're at. You got, you got this much faith, he'll meet you there. He'll meet you there. And uh, so we should always be uh, aware when people are insisting that we need to adopt their method uh, to encounter God. Okay, just be careful about that. So let's discover the message behind this miracle. So um, yes, on this occasion, Jesus obliges the guy's superstition and uses spittle, but he goes a step further. He makes mud and he smears it on this guy's eyes. And I happened to be there with my iPhone. So I took a photo and if we could have that, there he is. <laughs> so I whipped out my iPhone and I just clicked it off. And there he is having that moment. And then we go to the next moment that I captured where he comes back seeing, he's excited, this is fantastic. And this is the part we write books about, we sing about, you know, this is God is so good, hallelujah, all the time. That, that's the moment. But if we go back to the other moment, that's a what the moment. That the what? I asked for a miracle and I'm getting mud. Hello, I'm asked for a miracle and I'm getting mud. You see, our problem is we, it's hard for us to get in the moment with this guy because we know how the story ends. But there was nobody there going, it's okay, this is going to be in the Bible one day. Just hang in there. <laughs> All this guy knew was, what the? Uh, I asked for a miracle and uh, he, can't, he can't see what's going on. So he asks for his miracle and he hears. <laughs> and, then, and then he feels something and he, is that what I think it is? And he's going, that awful. And then he smells the distinct smell of, of mud being smeared on uh, his eyes. And so, come on, let's just get in the moment with this guy and go, wow, how confusing would this be in this moment uh, for, for this guy? 
And the people watching, they would have been thinking, okay, we haven't seen Jesus do this before. And that's because there is a message in this miracle. And uh, so, as I say, we tend to diminish these sorts of mud moments because, you know, yeah, it's all going to turn out well. Well, let's realise that sometimes we need to hit pause at this moment and agree this is a what the, what the moment is, is happening here uh, because this is a confusing moment where we're asked for a miracle and, and, and we're actually getting mud. And to add to our offence and confusion, we're actually getting mud where we ask for the miracle to be, on the very thing we ask for the miracle. So things aren't getting better, they're actually getting worse. And so I want to speak to people in this room who are in a mud moment right now, or you have family, friends, people that are in a mud moment. Now listen, it's really important that we talk about this because people lose their faith in that moment. They get so confused and offended that they walk away from God. They don't get it. What? I asked for a miracle and things just got worse. See, we've done a great job preparing uh, people for miracles. And a miracle, this is an in-between moment. But in their in-between moment, they walk away. Wow. <laughs> they didn't hang around. This guy was in this curious, strange moment. And so... What do, we, what do we say to people who are in these mud moments? You know, we could tell them uh, that this mud moment is the work of the devil, but we actually need to be careful how many times we're trotting out that theology because you're going to end up with a very powerful devil and a very weak Jesus. Because the number of times you're attributing this to the work of the... Well, where the heck was the shepherd? Where the heck was Jesus then? What's, what's going on here? And so... Um, in mud moments, let's just say they can be really confusing. And let's just let there be a little bit of mystery around that. I mean, I'm sure that if I'd have been there watching Jesus get crucified by the soldiers, I'd have been totally missing what was going on. I'd have been trying to take the hammers off them, uh, you know, trying to get rid of, sneak the nails away somehow, uh, fight off the soldiers, Jesus lying. And then maybe some of us would have been bending over him saying, listen, is there something you want to tell us, Jesus? Because bad things happen to bad people. So right now, this isn't looking good for you, you know. You want to tell us something? Because, you know, we, and we don't get, Wow, what is this moment about? And then the voice of the Father speaks to us from heaven. Guys, I'm doing this. I'm in this. I'm saving the world right now. And we're going, what? Are you kidding? This doesn't look like saving the world. We're looking at the blood, the nails, and we're thinking, well, this sure doesn't look like a work of God uh, to us and we're staring at the mud and we're trying to make sense of it and we're totally missing the fact that there's a, there's a greater purpose going on here. We're obsessing on the mud but the miracle isn't in the mud. The miracle is in you washing it off. The miracle is in what that mud drives you now to do 
and who you are going to become. The miracle was not in the mud. And so here's a revelation for, uh, for people in the room struggling with mud on their life right now. You ask for a miracle, you're getting mud, you're crying about the mud, you're obsessing on the mud, you're trying to make sense, you're angry about the mud, uh, but the miracle's not in the mud. Jesus put the mud on the guy's eyes. We read it. And what did he do? He immediately told him to wash it off. So if there was some medicinal properties, he would have said, now leave that on. Let it soak for, let's see, 15 minutes. And they put on some nice music. Key of G, if you know me. And then, okay, now, no. It says, no sooner than he put it on, he told him to take it off. <laughs> Go and wash it off immediately. So there's nothing good to be found in the mud. That wasn't, it wasn't about the mud. So why did he put the mud there? So he could go through the process of washing it off. <laughs> so please notice that the miracle was not in the application, it was in the washing of the miracles, not in, it's, it's actually about, now this is where we're peeling back a layer here, looking into God's eternal purposes for your life. The miracle is a far greater miracle in God's economy is not a miracle that happens to you, but a miracle that happens in you. Because you get to keep the miracle happening in you because that's who you're becoming and you're gonna take that into eternity. If it happens to you physically, that, that part of your life, the, the physical body, that's great, that's good, but it has, it's actually not eternal. It's not eternal. So in God's economy, a miracle that happens in you uh, is far more life-changing. Can we get into God's will? Can we stop making it all about us and realise that God's got an agenda here and it's bigger and beyond just our moment. So the mud can vex us, but we've got to understand that God is using a different value system to us. That's why he's okay with putting this mud on this guy. You know, It's because God values who you're becoming. And so why is that so valuable to God? Well, God knows something about you that you either have forgotten or you haven't realised that that you are a spirit being having a human experience. God has never forgotten that about you. That's why his way of dealing with you, talking to you, has always got eternity in view. It never ceases. And God will never give you something temporal to sacrifice something eternal. He won't do it. It's, it's just so wrong in his economy. All right. So God has never lost sight of the fact of who you primarily are. You're, any, you're a spirit being having a human experience. God knows that this stage of your existence is not the end of your existence. He knows that. And, and he knows that, yeah, sure, when you die, you cease to exist at this level, but you don't, you don't cease to exist as a person. You actually change your existence. That's actually what's happening when you die. You're not stopping as a person. You're just changing how you exist. All right. And the only thing that you get to take with you from this stage of your existence is who you become. And that's why this 
strange way of God dealing with us, the miracle that's happening in you, uh, far more valuable than what's happening to you. So let me just introduce you to, to one of my life verses. This, I won't go into the whole story. This verse came into my life at a, at a humongous mud moment. <laughs> it was my lifeline out of my confusion. And I want to tell you, tinkering on the brink of wondering if God is there. And, and this verse was such a lifeline to me. It's found in uh, Psalm 84. It's tucked away there beautifully in verses five and six. Let's read it together. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the ways of them who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also fills the pools. I didn't put the filleth because when you have a lift, it's just really hard putting in the part, all right? So I just took that bit out. Okay, um, so what's this saying? All right, his strength of his, whose heart, uh, whose heart are in the ways of them who passing through the valley of Baca make it well. The rain also fills the pools. So Baca is not a place that exists geographically. It's a place that exists on the journey of life. It actually means the valley of weeping and brokenness. And it's saying this person has passed through this valley and guess what they did? They made it a well. They didn't dig a grave. They made it a well. They transformed their, this moment, this mud moment. They transformed it. What is a well? It's a pool of resource. I'd like to think that I'm up here speaking to you out of some wells. How did I get them? I went through some valleys of backer. All right, there's some depths. And then I'm dipping into that and I'm, and some of you have been through those valleys of Baca. Hopefully there's a well in you that you're actually, uh, dipping into and, and, uh, ministering to people out of. But another translation of that verse talks about them setting their hearts on pilgrimage. What these people have done is they've set their hearts on pilgrimage. Now, I had to learn that not everybody knows what a pilgrim is. A pilgrim is a person who is on a journey to a sacred place. We don't see pilgrims that much here in Australia, but if you go to other parts of the world, it's relatively common to see people on uh, pilgrimage. They're on their way to a sacred place. And this person, the Bible says, is blessed because they've got it. They've understood that that's what their life is. It's a pilgrimage. It's not the end. They're on a pilgrimage. They're on uh, uh, their way to a sacred place. And they've learned because they're living their life in this context of pilgrimage, when these mud moments come along, they take the seed of their sorrow and they sow it and it, and it bears great fruit. It, it, they turn it, they transform it. Instead of transmitting their pain, they transform their pain. These people are amazing. They live out their life not dependent on making everything about their happiness. They get it. They're on their way to a sacred place. And when we forget our pilgrimage, we start developing all sorts of illusions about this life that God never intended you to have. 
I never intended you to have a permanent, a permanence about this. Uh, if our view of life doesn't extend any further than this stage of our existence, then you're going to be incredibly offended by mud moments. You, they are going to be so offensive uh, to you. See, people can't find a reason for their mud moments because they're looking for an answer in the wrong place. The purpose of your life actually be, uh, is beyond this life. <laughs> if you're looking for it, no, you're not going to find it there. So, so why are we here? Well, we're here to get something we could get uh, no other way than being here on this planet, on this pilgrimage, and that is maturity. You can't go to a doctor and say, can you give me a bottle of maturity? Or no, better, better just inject it into my arm. You can't do that. You need to live life and go on a journey, and that's how you get maturity. God has placed us here to acquire something we couldn't get any other way than by being alive on this planet, maturity. And why is that important? Well, you flick to the back of your Bible, and it obviously has got something to do with the responsibility He's preparing you for in His new world. We don't talk enough about that. And according to what we read in the Bible about the new world that we're coming, it could tell us so much about how God is preparing us. In fact, I could say maybe that mud moments are God's way of stopping small people being in charge of big things. That's where he's taking you. He doesn't want small people in charge of, of big things in the age to come. And that's why he strategically placed dipstick people in your life. They are of God. Don't look at the person beside you if that's your spouse. Just keep looking at me right now. Just, and if you're a man, just pretend you don't have a clue. Honey, I don't know. You're not my dipstick. You're my darling. Um, but dipsticks are amazingly useful people. You know what a dipstick, you know, in the car, that's what you use to check how much black stuff is in the motor. Well, dipstick people, just when you think, I think I'm perfect. I think, yeah, I think I'm there. The dipstick person knows how to get right down in there and find that anger and annoyance. There you go. There you go. Now, they don't create it in you. They reveal it in you. They are strategically designed by God to find your black stuff. Oh, yeah. There they are. Now, I had to learn to stop praying, God, take the dipsticks out of my life because better the dipstick you know than the dipstick you don't know. Because no sooner does this one go than another one comes. It's like, I want my old dipstick back, please. <laughs> oh, this one's too hard, you know. Uh, stick with the dipstick person. So, you know, think about it this week. Take out a pad, draw three columns, dipstick people in my life. What are, what's going on and what, God, are you trying to teach me through this person? And if somebody comes up to you after this meeting and says, how do you spell your name once again? You know that you're going on their list. I don't know, how do you spell whatever? We won't go into that naming names. All right. But this is all a strategy of God. This is all 
God preparing people for big things. Now, uh, some people find all this talk about preparing for life beyond this depressing, but actually it's meant to be incredibly empowering. This is why the martyrs of the early church could sing as they were being martyred. They thought, this is a promotion. We are out of here. Hallelujah. See, they never lost sight of who they were. We, We tend to forget. They have set their hearts on pilgrimage. And when you set your heart on pilgrimage, your clutching gimme, 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 my name's Jimmy hand will open. And you'll realise, wow, I, I can be generous. I can be a, a giving person, a forgiving person. Oh, let that go. Don't worry about that in the context of where we're going. And so, you know, it's pilgrims that look at, at heavy things and say, I'm not picking that up. I'm not picking up that offence. I'm not picking up that hurt. I'm not picking up that heavy stuff. I've got a long way to go. I'm not carting this grievance with me all this way. And it's their pilgrimage understanding that causes them to be able to filter out all of that stuff. They're immediately washing mud off. Again and again and again and again. They're washing it off. As quickly as it's being applied, they're washing it off. So here's a verse that only pilgrims can understand. The rest of you, what the? Okay, but this is a pilgrim verse. He says, consider it a sheer gift, friends. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a gift. When, guess what? When tests and challenges come your way. (laughs) Oh, goody. You know that under pressure, your faith uh, life is forced into the open and shows its true colours. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. If we could put that on repeat, don't try, don't try, don't try (laughs) to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you can become mature and well-developed and not deficient in any way. God, making sure little people are not in charge of big things. So please give up the illusion that that life is all about your happiness. (laughs) It's not about your unhappiness either. I mean, that's not what this is about. I mean, being happy is not a bad thing. It's just when you make it a goal, your life is going to be miserable. If you make happiness uh, the goal of your life, it's going to be an absolute disaster. Why is that? Because then you'll go to great lengths to avoid experiencing all the other emotions that actually make you a fully functioning human being on the planet. Ironically, happiness turns out to be the human emotion that has very little to offer us in terms of growing up and being mature and responsible people on the planet. Happiness requires no courage, no sacrifice, no commitment to serve the common good. So life's not about, you can go on with that illusion if you like, but you've actually forgotten God's plan. God's plan is not that. God's plan is maturity. And a real life is actually lived out managing tensions of opportunities and and opposition. That's a real life. Uh, possibilities and problems, favour and failure. A real life has mountains and a real life has valley. You realise you want to have a mountain, you're going to have a valley. 
Uh, yeah, you're going to have a valley. So perhaps our biggest problem is we think we're not supposed to have problems. Maybe that's, that's our biggest problem. And in fact, psychiatrists would tell us that the, uh, for many people, the root cause of their mental illness is their inability to accept that life is difficult. That's the root problem. And so they've invented all these spaces they go in their head to try and avoid the fact that life is difficult. But when we accept life is difficult, guess what? It's no longer difficult. (laughs) And why is that? Because we give up the illusion that life's all about my happiness and it frees me up to be an authentic person. Yeah. So I can be real, I can be honest, I can be transparent. See, right now, I could be up here and tell you about all the good God things that are happening in my life, and they are, they're amazing. But if I withheld from you the other part where there's some serious crapola going on (laughs) and just told you about the awesomeness, then I have created an illusionary David Storer that he actually doesn't exist. And wouldn't it be terrible if now you aspire to be like the illusionary David Storer who doesn't exist? Well, you're going to be a candidate for disappointment because that David Storer doesn't even exist because I wasn't authentic with you. I wasn't, I wasn't real. So how weird is it that we feel compelled to hide our struggles from one another when we all know that we've got them? I know you've got them. You sneaky individual. (laughs) No, I just know you've got them. And that's real. What does that mean? I've got, you're a human being on the planet. That's what that means. Okay. So David, are you telling me, aren't I a loser? If my life isn't going great, fantastic, awesome. No, that's not true. It says in in, uh, Hebrews, it says, this trouble you're in isn't punishment. It's training. It's the normal experience of children. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are normal. I've seen the messed up life you're living. No. No, No, let's not do that. So maybe right now you're sitting there covered with mud and you're trying to work out what it all means. You know, what does this mud mean about you? What does this mud mean about God? But please understand, it's not about the mud. It's about you, what you're doing and are you doing what's required to wash it off? That's what this is about. The miracle's not in the mud. It's in the person you're becoming. Over my entire life, As a follower of Jesus, I've prayed for blessing on my life and family and ministry, and I've received so much, so much. But sometimes what I got was mud. That's what I got, getting quiet in here. I'm being real. (laughs) Is that okay? And I could go into great detail about my mud moments and you could listen and you could compare your mud moments with my mud moments and we could be mentally playing poker. I'll see your mud moment. I'll raise it. You had, yeah, you had this. I had a bigger mud moment than you. You call that a mud moment? (laughs) This is a mud moment. 
And so we start playing poker with our mud moments and you're trying to outrank me with your mud moments. And in a strange way, never intended by Jesus, the mud that was supposed to be immediately washed off has now become a part of the story of who we are. You're now telling me, this is my life. This is who I am as a person. Jesus is saying, that was mud. You were meant to take it off. You got lost on the way to the pool. You got lost. And you've wandered around for so long, that stuff is stuck to you like glue. It is dried up on you. You have lost your way, on the, uh, lost your way uh, to the pool and you've been wearing it for so long, it's now become a part of the story of who you are. Uh, and it's taken on a meaning that Jesus never intended. You've made it mean failure, shame, rejection, self-hatred. You've, you've called this mud, all these things. You've been wandering around for so long. In fact, you should have gone straight to the pool. Wow. Gone straight to Jesus. And we could keep telling our mud stories in the hope that if I just tell it to another person, they will unlock for me the mystery of what this is mean. Well, I'm trying to unlock the mystery for you. The only thing Jesus ever intended you to get out of that mud was, I was blind and now I see. That's it. That was the whole thing. That was all that you I'm going to ask the singers and musicians to come back and help me. You know, so... For some of us, we've come to Australia from other places, cities and countries, and we came asking God for a better life. And you know, right now what you're getting is mud. Mm-hmm. And the Lord says, go and wash it off, deal with it. And in the process of washing it off, you, your eyes will be opened to a whole different set of possibilities that you can't presently see. God... Let's put it there because you are fixated on something and in the process of you dealing with the mud, your eyes are going to be open to possibilities you can't presently see. Some of us have been asking the Lord to resolve issues of conflict in our relationships and it seems like things have just gotten worse. And the Lord says, I put that mud there because I saw you so stuck in your same reactive patterns of blaming others, I wanted to jolt you out of that. Because of the mud, you are now compelled to act. You are stirred out of your complacency to deal with things that you were previously happy to and content to live with. I put it there to stir you out of that. You've been so content to live with attitudes and situations. I am using this mud to try and compel you to deal with them. And the Lord's saying to you tonight, go and wash and your captivity is over. Your captivity is over. And for some of us have been asking for physical healing and yet the mud has come. For some of us, not all, but for some, God is saying to you, your soul was in pain long before your body was. Your soul was, and all that's happening right now is your body is mirroring back to you, your soul pain. But now he's saying, come and wash, come and wash 
You'll be cleansed of your anger, your bitterness, your unforgiveness, and you'll be healed. So we asked for a miracle. We got mud. But the mud is merely a way in the economy of God of awakening us to a response where we get our sight back, that we finally see stuff that we just can't see right now. Jesus put the mud on the man's eyes immediately, immediately said, go and wash. And so tonight I'm asking you, have you gotten lost on the way to the pool? And this mud that you're so caught up in speaking of, I ask you who you are and you start telling me about mud stories. You've forgotten. You've forgotten. No, no, no. That's not meant to stick. You're meant to get that healed, get that release, get that off your life. Come on, we're going to stand to our feet right now. We're going to sing this song. And as we sing it, I'd love you to make your way to the pool. And we're going to begin with the pool of salvation in just a moment. Pastor Julian's going to come and and he's going to lead us in that moment where let's address, first of all, those that are coming who don't presently know Christ. For you, you've heard this message and wow, for you, this washing moment is so critical for the salvation of your soul, the healing of your soul. And then we're going to come back and invite people to come forward to the pool that we're creating out the front here. And we're going to have a time of ministry. The power of God's going to fall. Chains are going to be broken. Issues, mental illnesses are going to become off. Obsessions, hurts, grievances, physical. See, particularly arthritic pain is going to go from people's lives. Dysfunction in, in internal organs. I'm seeing liver, kidneys. I'm seeing all sorts of stuff coming off your life. As your soul pain is released, your body catches up and mirrors the healing of your soul tonight. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.